Good morning, everyone. Good chaydish. We have a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful chaydish. And uh, we are in the tractate Megillah, the third chapter, on the bottom of 21b. Perfect. The discussion about Rish Chaydash couldn't be more perfect. Boy, the fourth line from the bottom. So, how do you read the parish you're not allowed to call up someone to the Torah and read less than three psukim. Right, right, right. So if you read three and three, you call up the first two. Partially today, you're left over with two. You're not allowed to leave a parsha less, less than three psukim. Right, right. But you're going to read four and four. Then, then you have to call up another two people. You call up four people. There's only seven, seven psukim left. So what? So what's the problem? Three, it's enough for two. The problem is have a The next parsha, the next paragraph, only has two psukim. And the Rashi Chachachem, the third chapter, the third paragraph has five psukim. How are you going to do this? If you're going to read two from here and one from the next parsha, you're not allowed to start a parsha and read less than three psukim. You can't start a paragraph and read less than three. Look at it today, okay, so read two from the middle paragraph, and then read three from the next paragraph. Then your problem is partially today, you only have two psukim left, and you're going to call up the fourth. You can't call them up with only on two psukim. You need at least a minimum of three. Amalu, Amalei, he responded. So that was his question. We have a dilemma. How are you going to read the Shredish? So Rav said, Zule Shemaiti. I didn't hear. You didn't know. But I heard a similar, similar, similar issue. None. We learned, learned about the my mother is those who gather together to be present by the sacrifices, over the sacrifices. So they read the Torah. The first day they would read with Ashes. The first, the narrative of the first day of creation, and Be'yidakiyah, the narrative of the second day. But Tani Allah, Be'reish is Bishnayim. You would call up two people for Be'reishis. Yidakiyah Be'echad. But the second, the second paragraph, the narration of the second day, you'd call up one person. Avinim Bom, we ask, Bishleim Yidakiyah Be'echad. The Yidakiyah makes sense, you call up one person. The Tlasa Psukhav, it's three Psukhim. How could you call up two people, call them up to the Torah to read the first, the narrative of the first day of creation? It's only five psukim. We learn, when you call someone up to the Torah, you're not allowed to, you have to have a minimum of three psukim. So what do you do? We learned to explain this is an argument. Rav says that you, you skip, in other words, you go back a passage. The, the middle Patsik, you read twice. The first one that's called up reads the first three. The second one that's called up, you, you repeat the, the middle Patsik, and then, and then you read the next two. So each one, each one um, reads three Psukim. So you go back. Shmuel says no Pasek. The middle Patsik, you read half of the Patsik. The first one reads the first half. And the second one reads the second half. So it's two and a half psukim each. 
So each one gets to read like three psukim, three and a half psukim. So Mud explains. We already learned this earlier. Rav, we had this in Tainus, was brought up. Rav, um, uh, Rav says, they look my time with them, a basic. Why doesn't the Rav agree with Shmuel? Why does Rav say you should, why is it better to go back and repeat a pasuk than splitting the pasuk in half? Because somebody holds, Kapsukali, Pasuk, and Moshe Abnalim Biskinla. You can't divide a Pasuk in half. No such thing. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who divided the Torah into different uh, sentences. You can't take a sentence and split it in half. Shmuel, I'm a Paskinle, and Shmuel says you could. Shmuel says you are allowed. Frankly, you might have Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina said. Rabbanina Kadra, who was who was the scriptural expert, said, "Sar godly, it's a Rabbanina God." I had tremendous pain. By Rabbanina, the great Rabbanina, well, he didn't because he didn't wouldn't allow me to to split the the sentence, to split the verse into half, with the exception for the children, because it was too hard for them to teach them an entire verse at once. Yeah, Islam and since you're teaching them to educate them, so therefore you're allowed to you're allowed to teach them a half a verse at a time. So how can Shmuel say you're allowed to you're allowed to divide a pasuk when Nabuchadnezzar Godel wouldn't allow you to divide a pasuk with the exception for the children for educational purposes? The mother answers, Shmuel will tell you, Hazim, their time of mind from the option. Why did Nabuchadnezzar Godel allow them? Because there was no choice. Children have no choice. You can't teach them an entire verse at once. You have to break it up. We're in the same situation. We're in a pickle here. We, we have no choice. What are you going to do? There's only five verses. So we have no choice. Therefore, in this case, this is the exception. You're allowed to, just like over there, you're allowed to break up the verse. You're also allowed to break up the verse. Why doesn't Shmuel, why does Shmuel say it's not possible? Well, of course it's possible. We have Rab's option. Repeat the verse again. Because he's worried that the cream those who come late to show, so if they're gonna see, they'll hear that at the only red, they'll see that the that the, the one, the second one was called um, up. So when they hear that they see the second one is called up, they're gonna see that they started reading from the third verse. So they can assume that the first one only read two verses. They're going to say, I was in Shul and I saw with my own eyes that you can, could call up someone and only read two verses. And it wasn't true. It wasn't what happened. He doesn't know that the first one read three verses and the second one is just repeating again this third verse. And we also have a problem from those who leave early. Those who leave early will leave. They're rushing, rushing out the door. So they're going to rehear the first one that's called up, got three psukim. But they look, they see there's only two psukim left. So they're going to assume that he's called up with two psukim. Yeah, and I'll say, I saw with my own eyes. I was in Shul. I was, the big rabbi was there. And I saw that they left two psukim. And he wouldn't know. He doesn't know that they're going to repeat the, the verse again. So he should get three psukim. So therefore, Shmuel says, there is no choice. You have no choice. That's not an option to repeat. Because people is going to read, lead to confusion. The only choice is you have to split the Pasuk in half. Think about it. Mace, I'll ask you a question. A paragraph of six verses. You have, you have two people, two people reading. But if it's five Pasukim, you have no choice. You have only one person can, can, can read it. 
What if Carter Risha and Schleicher? What if he didn't listen or by mistake they only read three? Three and then the other guy read Only read three. So what do you do? So Schleicher, So the second one reads two verses from this. And then let him read one pasuk from the next parsha, in the next paragraph. Others say no, that's not an option. No, he has to read the next paragraph. He has to read three from the next paragraph. because you're not allowed to start a parsha less than three pasuk. So, so what's the question? This is a question on Rav. This is a question on both Rav and Shmuel. According to Rav, we have why, why doesn't he give another option? Repeat the middle verse again, so you, and then read the next two psukim. So you have three psukim. According to Shmuel, that says you read the pasuk in half. Nipsing. Okay, so Rashi says that's not such a big kasha because it actually takes that out because it's done. We're talking about that it's done already. The Brisa says you're not allowed to. Really, one person should read the whole paragraph, all five psukim. You shouldn't divide it. But if it's done already, so it's done. You can't divide the Pasuk in half. You already read the whole Pasuk. But the question is according to Rav. The question is according to Rav, who says you have an option of going back. So why don't you just go back? Why do you have to read the next, the next paragraph and you get into a whole argument whether you read one or three? Just, just, yeah. No, no, split it up. It's too late. It's done already. Right, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. So you might answers. So you might answer, shiny awesome, there's different. The Efsha Bahachi. Here you have, you have an option. You have a way out. You could read the next paragraph. In the case of Rishchidus, you don't have an option. You have to read, you have to read that exactly, different subject. Or the case of my mother, you don't have an option. You have to read that that day or the next day. You can't just read random. But here we're talking about there's an option. Wait, what is the yeah, on a regular day. Yeah. The law follows that you can't start a parsha without reading the first three verses. Another thing of Tanghusen, just like you're not allowed to start a paragraph. Less than three psukim. He can't end it. Right? So he can't leave over well, three psukim. Right, right. Less than three. What a pshit, obviously. No. We had an argument in the Baraisa whether it's enough to read one pasuk when you start a new paragraph. The Tanakhama says you can read one pasuk. And the Yashem says, no, you have to read three psukim. And nevertheless, he said the law follows the Yashem Rim. So if that's Chalta when the Tanakam is, but Ma'as Chalta can make Tanakam Machni Yashem Rim. And we say the law is like the Yashem Rim. She and, and the Yashem Rim is strict. She or the Machma Tanakam, even the Tanakam agrees that you're not allowed to leave over less than three psukim. Because he says, he says that the first parsha, which is five psukim, one person has to read it. Only one person. You can't read three and leave over two psukim. Everyone agrees. There's no argument. Surely the Yashemrim will agree that that you're not allowed to leave over th- less than three psukim. No. So what do you have to? What does Rabbi Shmuelavi have to teach me? That? The mother says, "Mao, the time I would think." I would think if he wouldn't point it out, I would say. Logically, the exact opposite. 
people who come in late. That's to be expected. The JFK club, just for the Kiddush club. Those who show up just for the end of the evening. So therefore, so therefore, so therefore you're worried. We should make the, make the Kiddush before Davni. So therefore, therefore you're worried. So therefore you're worried, therefore you have to worry that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to uh, start. You're not allowed to start less than three psukim. Because if you're going to start less than three psukim, someone will come late, will say, ah, there's only one pasuk. That means they called up someone just for one pasuk, for two psukim. He didn't know that they really started in the previous paragraph. So they read three psukim. But to worry at the end that someone's going to walk out and is going to say there's only two psukim left and he won't know that they read two psukim and then they read the psukim in the next paragraph, that you don't have to worry because it's not normal, for, it's not nice. A person won't leave when the tater is still open. You're not allowed to leave when the tater is still open. Leave the shul. So it's not something there that's usual. Something unusual, you don't have to make any special enactments for something that's unusual. He says, no. You also have to worry that those who are rushing, are rushing. Rushing to work or whatever. According to Tanakama, what's the difference? He, even Tanakama agrees he's not allowed to leave over a paragraph less than three children. Because those who are leaving. Which is unusual, right? And nevertheless, you have to worry about them. Why does he allow you just to read one verse? Someone will come in late, will look, take one look and say, you see, they called someone up and he just read one verse. He won't know that they read the verses from the previous paragraph as well. So answers, Tanakama holds, whoever walks in will wonder, will ask someone. Someone who is leaving, he's gone. He has no one to ask. He'll just assume. But someone who's in shul, he's very curious. He'll turn to his neighbor and ask, what's going on here? They just called up for one pasuk. I thought you need three verses. And they'll explain Yes, they did have three because they read from the previous paragraph. Plus this one. Sholach, the son of Rav, asked Rabbi Yisif, Hilchus and Mai, what's the Allah? Sholach, Rabbi Yisif, send back. Hilchus and Deilgan, Deilgan. The boy is that you repeat the verse, and which one do you repeat? Deilgan, the middle one. And that's what we did in Rishchidosh. Right? That's what we just did today, this morning. You read the first three verses. The first one that's called up to the Torah reads the first three verses. The second one that's called up reads again. And then then you have three verses to the end. And... Then you read Vyema Shabbos. This is the rule. Whenever you have Musiv, you have four people called up to the table. The question is, How about a fast day? There's no Musiv. How many people do you call up to the table? You call four people to the table. The fast day, the lack of carbon musaf law, you only call up three people. You add an extra davening. You say, Anenu. 
So you add an extra bracha. So because of the extra bracha, maybe you should also call an extra person to the Torah. Tashma bring a proof He spells out and he says only only three. Look at the beginning of the Brayse. It says b'shem yibachamishi b'shabes b'mincha keringim. It says in the beginning of the Mishnah also Monday and Thursday and Shabbos mincha three. But he doesn't mention tainus. So from there we can deduce that tainus sibur a fast day arba. It's not coming to teach us about fast day, because from the Vedash in the beginning I can deduce a fast day is four. From this, the second half of the mission I can deduce a fast day is three, so you can't prove anything. He stood up and he, he was a Balkari, he read. Pasar, Baruch. He started out, he made a bracha. Chasim v'lei baruch. Afel kulam alampayi v'rabli nafel After the service, when the entire congregation fell to the ground on the face, v'tachnon rav did not fall on his face. We don't lie on the ground, we just, we just tilt, tilt our heads and cover our faces. Okay, so Merdi, let's see. Rav Yisrael Kot. Rav must have read which portion? The Israelite portion. Because he's Yisrael. He's not a Koyan. He's not a Levi. He's an Israelite. Rav is an Israelite. So he was called up to the title. So my time, Mechasim Le'Baruch. Why did he conclude? And he didn't recite a bracha. Lamashun Surely, because he wasn't the last one to be called up. The old, right, there was someone else called up afterwards. It was the fourth Aliyah. What's oh, he was called up. You have to make a first blessing also. You only make a blessing in the first Aliyah and the, and the concluding Aliyah. Why would Rav make a blessing? I think your mother will explain. So we proof we see from here on a fast day you call up four people. Even though he wasn't the Koyan, he was called up for the portion of the Koyan. And that's why he started out with the Bracha, because he was the first one to be called up. He would also read the Koyan's portion, even though he was not a Koyan. Because since he was the most respected scholar, so therefore you have to show more respect for the scholar than for the Koyan. Even though the rabbi said that a koyin should not wave his right, otherwise it's going to lead to a fight. Why did you wave your right for him and not for me? But if someone is such an exceptional scholar like Rav and Avuna, of course no one's going to be jealous. No one is going to. You know the thing that they do sometimes about Chabad Mitzvah, where they make extra leaves of us. Koyin usually reads under all circumstances, no matter how great the rabbi is, because we don't have we don't have. You know, today we don't have such 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 a level of clear cut level, such a statue statue. The greatest rabbis today, you don't do that today. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The rabbi, even the rabbi. So Gemara says, 
We can understand Rav Huna was called up in the place of a Koyen. I feel Rav Ami, but Rav Asi, the Kanei Chashivadar of Israel, even Rav Ami, Rav Kani, were the most eminent Koyenim of the land of Israel. Make of Kaifel and Rav Huna were completely subordinate to Rav Huna. El Rav, but Rav, he could Shmuel the Kanei Dvarale. Shmuel was also a Koyen. He was a Koyen in Babylonia, and he took precedence over Rav. So there was a Koyim, more than Rab, more highly respected than Rab. So why, why could he read the? Why would he be allowed to read the Koyim's portion? As that Rab would allow Shmuel to enter before him. In other words, he deferred to Shmuel. Yeah. So Gemara says Shmuel nami make of Kaiav Kaivelav. Shmuel was also subordinate to Rab. Rab Huna David lay covered. Rab Huna Rab gave him respect out of Rab's modesty. But really, Shmuel was, was subordinate to Rab. Yeah, but he once cursed. Once cursed him, he shouldn't have any sons, so therefore he tried to show him respect. And that's why it only says about Rab that he's like a Tana. It doesn't say that about Shmuel. Rab was special. Well, Shmuel's yeah. a Mora, anyway. They're both Amoroi, but the Rab was also considered a Tana. He's allowed to argue with the Tana. Not Shmuel. He was the guy with the Rab Kane, it also makes sense that Rab read the first portion. These Hakadite, we saw, if you're going to want to say, like Yutha said, you try to bring a proof because he said that surely he was called up as a Yisrael, the third Aliyah. If that's the case, Lefanem, my time, but why did he make a Baracha when he went up? Usually in those days, the first one made a bracha and the and last one made else, a bracha, but then right? They changed the law. Right? But it says no, that's not a proof. Maybe it was after the enactment that everyone should make their own bracha. After the fact, after they made the kodesh, like today, everyone makes a bracha. Everyone makes their own bracha, beginning at the end. So why didn't they make a bracha at the end? So Yimara says, "Shine heicha the yosef rav the meilal." It's different. With Rav is present because people may come late to the service. People would not leave her. They went over Rav. So therefore, there was no reason for any reader to recite the blessing after the reading. Rav had to make the bracha for someone who came late. Because someone who came late, he would think that the Torah doesn't need a blessing. But anyone, out of respect for Rav, no one's going to leave before no, Rav. Before he finished. Before he right. finished. So therefore, there's no, no one's going to make a mistake so he didn't need to say and he say, didn't you don't make a bracha after. They'll wait and they'll see and the last one will make a bracha. We'll hear the last we reader. We still don't learn how many are called up from a public past. From all this. Right. So therefore, it's possible that that's why they said that he was the Yisrael and there right. was a fourth one after him. Maybe a fast day has four alias. Right. But we still don't, can't prove one way or the other. Maybe it was the Kayan, and that's why he explained why he laid the first one and made a bracha the first one and make a bracha after. And there's only three aliens. Tashma, I'll bring you a proof. Yeah, we're in side B, 22B. Tashma, whenever there's a, a loss of income, people are, people are working, it's a work day. For example, on the fast day in Tisha B'av, you only call three people. But if you're not depriving people of their work, you're going, for example, Rosh Chadashim. Rosh Chadashim, people work a little less. You're also not allowed to do certain things. Then you call, then you call four people up to the Torah. The Torah is very respectful. It takes into consideration 
you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't stop people from working. Even on Tisha B'Av you're allowed to work, except the places that have a custom not to. But the halachically, there's no there's nothing inherently wrong with working. Well, you know the poor. You, know, you take the panasa. You like you. Right. Says the women wouldn't work so bad because because since they didn't participate in the sin of the golden calf, he didn't want to give their jewelry. Not because he can't get a Jewish woman to part from her Jew, her jewelry. When it came to the tabernacle, they were the first ones to donate their jewelry. But they they refused to worship idols. Hashem gave them reward. But they keep Rishchidosh more than the men. Question is, what's the connection? Because they didn't take his jewelry to the golden calf, that's why they they, they have a special connection to Rishchidosh. That's something Hasidus explains. From here is a clear proof that on the fast day, even on Tisha B'Av, you only call three people up to the Torah. Um, but this, this is not what we learn. Any day it has a mutzav, it's not a yom to be called for. On Sunday, it says that cloud. What do you mean a rule? What's the rule coming to add? Obviously, surely he's coming to add the public fast day, Tishuba. Because you also have an additional prayer. According to Ravashi, whose claims that on the fast day you, you call up four people, our Mishnah does not follow not the Tanakam and Ravashi. We learn if Tishuba falls out on a Monday and a Thursday. Okay, you call up three people, and and the third one is is Maftir. One of them, the last reader, also reads the Maftir after after. But if Tishba falls out on Tuesday and Wednesday, one person is called to read the Torah. And also, that same person concludes with the after. That's the opinion of the Tanakamra. All cases, three people are called to the Torah, and the last one, the concluding one, he's the one who reads after. So both the Tanakamra agree that only three people read on Tisha Not like Ravashi says on the fast day, four people call. Four people read. The argument between Rabbi Yehissi and Tanakam is if it's on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. If it's Monday and Thursday, which anyway usually you call three people up to the Torah, he says also you have to call three people up to the Torah. But on a Wednesday and a Thursday, when you never read the Torah on a Wednesday and a Thursday, so he says one, you call up one person, less than three. But everyone holds on Monday and Thursday three, and not, not, not more than three. So our Mishnah, who do the opinions are follow? Not the opinion of Tanakam, not the opinion of Rabbi Yezi. If you don't have a mini, you don't call up anybody. 
The Gemara, Vela Kasha Zaklal, but if you're rejecting Ravashi, how are you going to explain the Mishnah? What does Zaklal come to include, to add? You can't say it's coming to add Rish Chaydish and Chalam Mayyad, because it says clearly in the, in the Mishnah. So what's it coming to add? The mission is giving us a sign. You shouldn't say that Cholomoyed is like Yomtev. You should call up five people. But this is the rule. Call the any day that's a little superior, that has a little something more to it, add one person. Therefore, which is elevates it and makes it different than a regular, distinguishes it from a regular day. You have to add one aliyah. Call four people up to table. Which, in addition to the musaf, it's also prohibited to do work. If you work on Yom Kippur, it's not only a prohibition, you lose your life, your life gets cut off. Shisha. Shabbos, is a skiller. Shabbos is the, the most severe. You get stoned in the hands of the court. Shiva, seven. Okay. But the, the bottom line is, on a fast day, you only read three, not more than three. Not for Gufa. We learn now we call Baba Tanya Sibu. We quoted earlier. Yom Kippur is the exception. What? Yom Kippur is the exception. Gufa. Rav Ikel Baba Tanya Sibu. Rav came to Baba Tanya Sibu. Come, come. We learned earlier. He's quoting. We learned earlier. Come, Bekar Besifra Pasuk Barachasim Lebarer. He was called up to the Torah and he made the bracha, the opening bracha. Did not make the concluding bracha. Wait a second. On the first day. Everyone passed, prostrated to the ground and confessed, and Rav did not fall. Allah, my time with Rav Why didn't Rav bow down? The mother says, because the floor was made of stone. It's one of the 630 mitzvahs. You're not allowed to bow down outside the temple on stone, only in the temple. You're not allowed to bow down on stone in Baratzachem, anywhere outside of the temple. But in the temple, you're allowed to. But Ula says the prohibition is only if it's made of stone. By the way, this is not stone. This is not stone. I forgot the material, but it's not stone. It's not a problem. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why only Rab wasn't the only one? He shouldn't allow anyone to bow down. But the answer is The stone floor was only in front of Rav. He had a stone setting. Everyone else was no stone. So let him walk away from his place and let him bow down like everyone else. And he didn't want to inconvenience the congregation to walk past them. They, you know, let him move out of respect for him. If you want, I'll tell you that. Rav would prostrate himself, completely extending his arms and his legs. 
So therefore he, since that was his way of saying Tachnon, he couldn't do that on the stone floor. The other congregants, however, recited Tachnon, they didn't prostrate themselves completely, extending themselves. So, so they were allowed to partially prostrate themselves. So according to this answer, partial prostration is allowed rabbinically. According to the first answer, you're not allowed to prostrate yourself even without outstretched arms. The rabbis, rabbinically, it's prohibited. That's what we do. You don't bow, you don't bend your knees on the floor, even if you're not prostrating yourself totally. So what's the problem? Let him bow down without prostrating himself flat on the floor, totally spreading out his hands and his legs. Let him do like everyone else did. They don't want to change from his custom. Or if you want, I want to, I'll tell you. A person, who's a person, a very respectful person, a very special person, is different. The permanent person is not allowed to fall in his face. Unless he's confident in his righteousness, he surely his prayers, he's sure that his prayers will be answered. Because what if he bows down and Hashem doesn't answer? He'll be ridiculed. So this is only if you're in the presence of a congregation, someone's going to ridicule you. If you're praying alone, then there's no, then you do have to bow down. So Rab, who was a very special person, prominent, was not allowed to fall down on his face in front of the congregation, even if the floor was not made of stone. So they didn't answer. Nothing was stone. He would still not be. He would not be allowed. Unless he's answered like Yeshua Benunu, so confident in his righteousness. Hashem said to Yeshua, rise. Why are you falling on your face? Because after the, the, the second city, the city of Ai, after Jericho, so the Jews were routed. They lost the battle. So Yeshua prostrated himself and was davening to Hashem. What happened? What, what, what did we do wrong? Hashem told him to rise up. So someone like Yeshua, who's confident in the righteous righteousness, Hashem will answer. He's allowed to prostrate himself. But anyone else is not allowed. No, just, oh, I'm sorry, it's the opposite. Hashem was telling him that Yeshua was prominent. He says, Kumloch, stand up. You're not allowed to prostrate yourself. Because Hashem told him, stand up, don't prostrate yourself. Because if you prostrate yourself and you're not answered, it's going to be a chil Hashem. You know, people are going to, people will say, see, Hashem doesn't respond to his prayers. That's why Hashem told him, stand up, don't prostrate yourself. So someone who's like Yeshua is prominent, is not allowed to prostrate himself. That's why Rab was not allowed to prostrate himself, even if it wasn't a stone mm-hmm. floor. Nothing to do with stone. Tell the rabbi, one of the rabbis learned kida. When you say kida, lapai. What does it mean? Kida means on your face. You bow. You're bowing on your face. You bow your face. 
It says, Bathsheba, Payamer, Bathsheba bowed on her face to the ground. You bow your face. Kriya, Albert Kayim. Kriya means you bend down on your knees. You go down on your knees. You're bowing down on your face. You just bow down. You know? You, yeah, sure. You're not bowing your knees. Kida means Kriya is you bow down on your knees. He says in both knees. As it says in Kings, from the kneeling on his knees. Bowing down means pitching your diamond like lion, prostrating yourself, lying flat out on the ground, spreading out your hands and your legs. Yaakov told Yosef his dream. Me, your father and your mother and all your brother are going to come and prostrate themselves before you. Levi, after Kida, come with the Rabbi. The Rabbi, Levi showed Rabbi what Kida means. The Itla, and he became lame from it. In other words, he brought his face to the ground from a standing position. He bent down, standing, without bending his knee. Uh-huh. Bent down, and his face reached the ground. Can you do that? <laughs> He's only resting on his thumbs, not on his hands. So there's a big strain on his back, on the back of his legs when he rises up. So, so this caused Levi to dislocate his hip and he became limp. In fact, this is what caused him to be lame. You're not allowed to complain, complain to Hashem. Because a great person complained to Hashem and he became lame Manu Levi. And who is this Levi? That's the reason he became lame. Levi, we learned this in Tainus. Levi ordained the fast for rain, but no rain fell. He said to Hashem, Master of the Universe, you have gone up on high, you don't care about your children. He spoke very sharp, very chutzpahdik. Mother says his punishment for his disrespect, Levi became lame. So why are you telling me he became lame? Because he demonstrated <coughs> what kid is. Mother answers, how about Garmala? Both. In other words, because of his disrespect, he was punished with lameness. But how? When he exposed himself to injury, that's when, that was the moment when he became vulnerable. That's when he became lame. We conclude. They would lean on their sides when they said tach. They didn't fall on their face to the ground because they were prominent people. We said prominent people are not allowed to. However, they would lean on their sides. Leaning on the side, you're allowed to. That's what we do. We just lean on our heads and our arms. So surely everyone can say tach, even prominent people, because no one is. No one is reaching the ground, not their face and not their knees and not their prostrating themselves and not even on the side, just, just, just bowing our head and leaning, leaning our head and our arms. So therefore, prominent people are allowed to say tachnan even in the, in the presence of the congregation. Taisva says that he's referring to the prohibition of bowing down bowing down on the stone floors. He says 
If you're leaning on the side instead of falling on his face, you're allowed to even on the stone floor. Everyone have a good chaydush, a beautiful month, all the best.